0: Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day. We thank you so much, Father God, for your Christ, our Messiah. Father, and we just pray this morning as we, as we lift our hearts to you, Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would receive your glory. We pray that Christ is glorified, your spirit is glorified, and that the hearts of your people are changed. Into the image of Christ all for his glory in Jesus name we pray amen y'all can be seated the text this morning is 2nd Timothy chapter 3 so good to be here again with y'all this morning what a great looking crowd hope y'all are all doing well 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and I'll get to this text in just a minute What I want to talk about this morning and what I really want us to focus on this morning is the authority of scripture. And when I write sermons and when I, when I deliver sermons, just personally, I am always preaching to myself. And 90% of what I communicate, I'm communicating to the men in the congregation For too long, we have shunned our responsibility as men. For whatever reason, we could come up with all sorts of excuses, but we've laid it down. We've let many other things take the place, take the place of, the, of, of what we should be doing. We should be leading. In every areas of life, the men of God should be leading. Leading our wives, leading our children, leading our families, leading our churches, leading our communities. Don't, don't, don't be slighted, ladies. Y'all are just as important and just as needed and just as valuable. But for too long, we have seen the men in our country, the men in our churches, the men in our homes refuse to be the men that God has called us to be. So as we talk about the authority of scripture, I really want us to understand and focus on that concept of authority and where it lies, and who created it, and the reason that he created it. It's a a concept that's really been distorted over the last few generations. I think that y'all would agree. It's totally distorted. The dictionary, what is authority? The dictionary defines authority as the right Or the power to give orders. The right or the power to make decisions. The right or the power to enforce obedience. This concept of authority is embedded throughout all of Scripture. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. In the beginning God created. Genesis 1. All the way to Revelation 21. Jesus said, surely I come quickly, Revelation 22, excuse me, and everywhere in between. The doctrine of authority is directly tied with the sovereignty of Almighty God. You cannot separate the two. How important, how important is the authority of Scripture? Y'all may know Martin Luther, all right? Y'all may have heard the story of Martin Luther. He basically started the Protestant Reformation. He lived in the 1500s in Germany, Wittenberg, Germany. And he decided, he had a radical idea. He decided, this guy Martin Luther, he decided, I'm going to read the Bible. So he started reading the Bible. All right? And what he was reading was contrary to what he was being taught. He was an Augustinian monk. Part of the Roman Catholic Church. And what he was reading was contrary to what the church was teaching. Y'all try to envision this as, as we talk just a little bit about Luther. Try to envision what he was going through and what he dealt with, okay? As he was reading, as God was showing him, as God was convicting him of these contradictions of the church's teachings and what he was reading in the scriptures, he wrote a thesis, which was called his 95 Thesis. And after he finished this paper, and in this paper, he was taking the church to task on four specific issues, two of which the church were very angry over, very angry over. One of them was what the church called indulgences, which was practically just pain to get out of purgatory. Luther said, this is not right. The other one which angered them the most was Luther's teaching on justification. Salvation alone, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Three of the five solas of the the Protestant Reformation. That angered the church tremendously. Apart from any work of the sinner, it angered the church again. They demanded that he recant. They demanded that he take back his writings. He took that paper, Envision this, he took that paper when he finished it, and he marched right down the street to the castle church there in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed that paper on the door of that church. All right? Now, I really believe at this point that Luther knew that he was in for a fight, that he was in for a huge fight. And again, they demanded that he recant. He was summoned before the lords and the magistrates of the church, all the power structure, of the Roman Catholic church. And as he stood before them, he was he again they demanded that he take back what he had been teaching, and he refused to do it. And this is how he responded, and I quote Luther. Since then your majesties and your lordships desire a simple reply, I will answer without teeth and without horns unless I am convicted by Scripture and by conscience. I do not accept the authority of popes and councils because they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything because to do so, Is not right, and it's not safe. God help me. Amen. Luther was declared a heretic and an outlaw and a criminal. How important is the authority of the Bible? How important is the authority of Scripture? It's imperative that we understand that Scripture is totally authoritative in all matters of life and of faith. Totally authoritative. And to understand that scripture is totally authoritative, we must first understand that original authority, ultimate authority, reside with God and with God alone. We must understand this. God, Almighty God, did not inherit his authority. There was no one there to bequeath it to him. God did not receive his authority. There was no one there to give it to him. God did not seize his authority. God embodies authority. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, he is the great I am. He embodies authority. God's authority becomes obvious and without question when we consider three things. And all of us understand this. The Bible says this in Romans 1, that all, no, everyone is without excuse. God's authority becomes obvious. Without question, we've considered three simple things. Number one, God created the heavens and the earth and all that's in it. God created the heavens and the earth and all that's in it. Jesus did this. Secondly, God owns the earth and all that's in it and all who dwell on it. Psalms 24. Thirdly, God destroys it all. He's going to destroy it all. And he's going to make it all new. Revelation 21. Authority of Scripture. You cannot separate the authority of Scripture from the authority of Christ. They are one in the same. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. Let's look at the text, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is writing to Timothy, okay? He's encouraging Timothy. He's he's exhorting Timothy. He's edifying Timothy. He's building him up so that he can continue in his work. Let's start in verse 12. We'll read through verse 17 and focus on 16 and 17, a very familiar passage. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Are we suffering persecution? All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Does that sound familiar? But, Paul says, but continue thou in the things... Which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child, listen, y'all, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given. By inspiration of God. Now here's where I want to camp out on verses 16 and 17 for just a couple of minutes. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This literally means that God breathed out the words to the writers. He breathed out the words to the writers and what happened? What happened when God breathed into into the nostrils of Adam? It brought life to Adam. God's words do the same thing as God breathed out his words to the writers. His words bring life to dead spirits, to people that are dead in their sin, spiritually. Sometimes God told the writers of Scripture exactly the words to write as he did the prophet Jeremiah. But most times he used the writers' personalities, their uh, experiences, um, their nationalities, uh, their minds, their vocabularies to create his perfect, infallible, inerrant, holy word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration. For the longest time, I thought that the writers, we need to understand this, that the writers were inspired. Men of God were inspired by God to write down and dictate what God told them to write. It's not the case. Inspiration. Inspiration only applies to the words, not to the writers. There are no inspired scripture writers. There's only inspired scripture. It's the words It's the words, folks, that convicts us of sin. It's the words, folks, that points us to a redeemer. It's the words that changes men's hearts. It's the word. The word is God. Scripture is called the oracles of God, Romans chapter 3. Scripture cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. It is perfect and infallible. It is God himself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine. Profitable for doctrine. This is the divine instruction in doctrinal content of both the Old and the New Testament. Lots of times people think that the Old Testament is not as relevant as the New. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, all right? Yes, we are not under that old Mosaic covenant. We are under a covenant, a new covenant with Christ, thank God. The better covenant, the better way. But the Old Testament is just as relevant as the New Testament. The Bible provides for and is the comprehensive and complete body of divine work, of divine truth necessary for godly living and for holiness, which is the characteristic of the disciple of Christ. Humility. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof. For reproof. Reproof is to correct The sinner for wrong thinking, which will always lead to wrong behavior. For reproof. The Holy Spirit exposes our sin to us, which can always be dealt with through confession and through repentance. All right? For reproof. To rebuke someone for sin, for thinking wrong. Gently, in a spirit of love. For correction, the Bible says in verse 16, for doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction. This has the idea of if we're at home and we see a lamp's about to, starting to teeter and about to fall and break, we'll grab it, all right, we'll, we'll restore it back to its proper position, we'll correct it back to its proper position. If we're walking next to someone and they start to stumble, we're going to help them We're going to help them restore them back to their proper position. The same idea spiritually. Paul's talking spiritually here. If we see a brother or a sister in Christ that is stumbling spiritually, Scripture will help restore that person back to their proper position in Christ. Scripture not only rebukes wrong thinking and wrong behavior, but it always points the way back to godly living. For instruction in righteousness. For instruction in righteousness. Again, scripture does not only rebuke and correct, but it also gives positive instruction in godly thinking and godly behavior. Why? 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 In verse 17 we see the answer. Why? That the man of God. Paul says that the man of God. Now wh- what Paul's referring to here is a called man of God that preaches truth. That preaches divine truth and preaches the gospel. That the man of God may be perfect. Able to do everything that he's called to do. That the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Able to meet all the demands of ministry and righteous living. you got to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. You have to be able to back it up. If you're going to minister to people and share the gospel with people. The word of God not only accomplishes this in the life of a called man of God, folks. And just as Paul... Is writing and speaking to Timothy. God this morning is talking to us through this passage. Okay? This not only, the Word not not only accomplishes this in the life of a called man of God, but it brings this about in anyone, in any human being that repents and puts their trust and their faith in the finished work of Christ at Calvary. Real quick, y'all, real quick, let's go back to Martin Luther. Let's go back to Luther again. Luther disagreed. He disagreed with, with Catholic teaching. They disagreed about who and what should be the final authority of the church. And prior to the Reformation, it was an age of authority. Catholicism then and still now believes that the ultimate authority rests in the church. Rests in its clergy, its hierarchy culminating in the Pope. They do believe that Scripture plays a part in this structure. But they believe that Scripture plays a very, very small part in this hierarchy, in this structure. They believe that church tradition... Papal authority will always trump Scripture. If there's ever a disagreement between church and the Bible, papal authority will always rule out. And I really believe y'all, as Luther wrote that thesis and he nailed it on that door at the Castle church in Wittenberg, I really believe that a lot of the priests read that paper and they agreed. That's just my personal opinion. They agreed. Because I believe a lot of people at that time were Christians, were followers of Christ. They, believed, they agreed, but they said nothing. They remained silent. Luther's study of scripture convinced him that the church was wrong. Luther believed, it's, in Latin it's called sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. Sola scriptura was not just a slogan to the reformers but it was a precise summary of the main issue of the Protestant Reformation the bible scripture alone what i want us to understand folks what i want us to leave here knowing and understanding is that the bible this book that we hold in his hand this in our hands this bible is literally god himself god revealed himself to man In human flesh, God incarnate Jesus Christ. He revealed himself to us in the form of a man. Praise God. He's done the exact same thing through his written word. This book we hold in our hands is Christ himself. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was with God, was God. The Word became flesh. I know, I know, I know that y'all read the Bible. As we read the Bible, I want to encourage y'all, uh, encourage us to read it over and over and over. And when we do read it, believe what we read. And let that belief bring forth obedience, a change in our hearts, obedience. A couple of practical tips real quick, y'all when we read scripture all right when we read the bible first and foremost let's understand that when we read the bible that we are to interpret what we're reading literally whenever possible interpret the bible literally all right Jonas the bible says that Jonas spent three days in the belly of a fish well that's what happened you know I try to envision that sometimes Jonas sitting there in the stomach of that fish sometimes I'll think how did he breathe you know what That's weird. But it happened. It literally happened. Now, Jesus says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. That's not literal. That's metaphoric. We understand that. But whenever possible, interpret Scripture literally. Secondly, whenever we read the Bible, always read the passage in context. I know you all know this, but it's always good to be encouraged and reminded. Always read Scripture in context. Anybody can take one verse out of the Bible and make it say what we want it to say. That's dangerous. All right? Read scripture in context. If a verse is talking to you, read the whole chapter so that we make sure we understand what the writer is saying. Thirdly, real quick, understand. that there is only one correct interpretation to all of Scripture. Only one. It's not subjective. The Bible gets taught today in a lot of churches subjectively. In other words, it can apply to Patty one way, and it can apply to Jimmy another way. Okay? There are different applications. Let me rephrase that. It can say one thing to Patty, mean something to Patty, say one thing to Patty, and say something else to Jimmy. That's not true. All right, if Patty and I are reading a a passage in Scripture and she sees black and I see white, we can both be wrong. We have to keep searching. We have to keep praying. But we cannot both be right. Scripture is not subjective. It doesn't, it it can apply differently. It has different applications. That is true. It can apply to people differently depending on where they're at in, in their lives. But always understand that Scripture has one Correct interpretation. The authority of scripture. The concept of authority. This is where I get hard on us, the men. This is where I, I'm really preaching to the men. All right? Think about it for a second, gentlemen, and ladies. All of us can glean on this. Think about it for a second. That concept of authority in our culture, in the world today. Every one of us, Christ himself, the Bible says, is under the authority of the Father. Every one of us is under some form of God-ordained authority. Look at it today compared to When I was a kid, I'm 62 years old, I remember as a young boy respecting and revering my Sunday school teacher, law enforcement. Look at it today. Every form, think about it for a second. Every form of God-ordained authority in our culture today is mocked at, is laughed at, is ridiculed, is hated, made light of. It wasn't near that bad when I was a kid. It's horrible today. Law enforcement is per- portrayed as evil. I don't, I, don't, I don't encourage anyone to watch TV today. Sometimes I'll just flip through it just to see how crazy it is. But I don't, I don't encourage anybody to watch it. But if you do, look at the way things are portrayed today on television. Look at the way that that, that fathers and husbands are looked at today on like like we're idiots, incompetent fools. Government is not respected by half the country. Teachers are abused and laughed at. Parents are ridiculed and handcuffed. We can't discipline and train the way that we know is right. Military commanders. Back when I was a kid, military commanders were held in high esteem. They're laughed at today. As I was studying, I was reading that now in in, in boot camp that the cadets, the trainees, have what they call stress cards. If it gets a little too rough, you can flash that stress card to the drill instructor, and he has to back off. A lot of times I'm thinking they're just waving it just to say, I got you. You can't touch me. It's insanity. It's it's just bad. And it's a result of us as men relinquishing what we are supposed to be doing in our own personal life, and that's leading instead of being led. Can you imagine, folks? Can you imagine Christ? Try to envision this. Jesus is in the garden. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that Jesus became sin. Think about that for a second. I never understood that for a long, long time. He became sin. I always realized, yeah, he took my sin, but he put it somewhere. He threw it away somewhere. It didn't touch him. He's perfect, holy, and righteous. Our Lord became sin. It started in the garden. Can you imagine as he was sweating drops of blood in prayer and suffering in agony, asking his father three different times, may this cup pass for me? He didn't desire being separated from his father. Can you imagine him mocking his authority? Folks, when we don't respect And reverence, as the Bible commands us to, when we don't respect and reverence the authority that God has placed in our lives, that's exactly what we're doing. We are mocking God. We're thumbing our nose at him. Every every position of authority that is in our lives, gentlemen and ladies, every position of authority that is in our lives is a symbol of God. It's a Godhead symbol in our life that we are to look and to treat as such. Do we respect and revere? That word revere, reverence, means to literally hold in very high esteem. To stand in awe of. Do we respect and revere our bosses when we go to work? For The last 20 years of my career at Valero. All I heard about my boss, Bobby Joe Garcia, who I respect immensely and admire, was backbiting, bad-mouthing, how stupid he was, how inept he was, how he does everything wrong. I was so sick of it. I would combat it every single chance I had. They never understood. They can't because they don't know. It's foolishness to them. Do we respect and revere our bosses? Do we respect and revere our teachers? children, our parents? Do we respect and revere our law enforcement, our government? We don't have to agree, but God tells us to reverence and respect and hold high esteem people that are in positions of authority over us. Do we respect and revere our pastors, our elders, our deacons, or do we backbite? Do we talk about them behind their backs negatively? We need to check ourselves, folks. Do we respect and revere our husbands? God tells us to bring ourselves under the authority of God and his given authority in our lives. The reason that our culture does not respect and revere authority anymore is because we don't respect, for the most part, and revere the authority of Scripture. Folks, I really want us to understand and to know again, getting back to the gentleman, it's our responsibility. Everything that we see Everything that we deal with in life, in our communities, in our homes, in our nation, in our country, and everything is on us, gentlemen, not our wives, not our children. It's on us. We, 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 we create excuses to shun that responsibility. Well, my wife's better at teaching. My wife's better at leading. My wife's better at this. My children are better at that. And when we do this, we reap a consequence. It's all on us. Every bit of it's on us. We are responsible to lead in every facet of life. It's just the way God created it. So I want to encourage y'all. I want to encourage myself to commit my life in y'all's life to leading the way that God has created us to lead, and to do it with one purpose, and one purpose and only, that God glories in it, that Christ glories in it, and so that the world will know that there is a God in Israel. Folks, this is serious. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures verses verse 3 and 4 and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures praise god revelation 20 the bible says that we're all going to be judged every single one of us y'all please hear me we're all going to be judged Jesus is going to be standing there with that book in his hand, the book of life. And if we are judged and deemed righteous in Christ, which is the only way to be righteous, then our names will be in that book of life. And our Lord will tell us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your abode. We will spend eternity with Christ in his kingdom. If we are judged in our righteousness outside of Christ, we will be condemned. An eternal death in hell and cast into the lake of fire. Folks, this is serious. This is serious. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure of your position in Christ, you come speak to me this morning and I'll pray with you and we'll nail this thing down. If you're dealing with any kind of sin in your life, turn from it. Turn from your sin. The Holy Spirit will show you. Confess it, repent of it. And follow Christ. And again, I'll always state that I don't want to know, did you make a profession of faith 20 years ago when you were 11 at a, at a church camp? Have you been bad? That's not what I know. I want to know today, are you following Christ today with all your heart?